Hey up and welcome to the ETC Coaches Corner, an inside look into the Midlands' best private training facility, where we'll be discussing all things from nutrition to training and everything in between. In this episode, we're going to be discussing all things body composition. We're going to be talking about how training plays a role in body composition and what that even means. We're going to look at different types of fat and we'll be delving deep into the Evolt scan metrics, how we use it, how to improve our health, our well-being for you lovely lot, the members at ETC. Today I'm joined by ETC's very own science nerd and all-time food lover, you guessed it, Mr. Kyle Craig. Good afternoon, Kyle. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Sick. Yeah, lovely day. You don't. I don't think that not, wasn't very enthusiastic. Oh, sorry. I'll be more, I'm very happy to be here. That's better. It's a beautiful day outside. It's um, it's lush. We should be very, recording outside. We should be, shouldn't we? We should First be recording outside. outside. I tell you what. Next time. After uh, we film this, we'll go outside and be busy. Just for like twenty minutes. Just get a little bit of sunlight. Cause sounds perfect. Give I've not had. D. Yeah, I've had no sunlight today. Mm. And it's half two, and it's really sunny, and I feel like we're wasting. It's like the last week of summer as well, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, last week. Anyway, so today we're going to talk about body composition. And I think, you know, an appropriate place to start is actually like, like what, what is body composition? What does that even mean, Kyle? It's a really good question. Um, and it, I think if we, if we look at our body weight, which is a metric that a lot of us use to measure our, our body, uh, it doesn't really tell us a lot doesn't tell us a whole amount about us. It just tells us about the relationship that our body has with gravity and the force that it's exerting on the floor. If we look at our body composition, it's, it's essentially that. It's what our body is composed of. It's what we're actually made out of, all the stuff that makes us us. So it's your bones, it's your organs, it's your skin, it's your hair. It's all the things that are important and, and that make us us. I think it's really important to start breaking this down a little bit more. Because a lot of the time, people that we work with They'll look at the, the weight or how much, what the relationship with gravity is and go, oh my God, I'm this. And they'll, mm. they'll not only not fully understand what it means, but the snapshot in time of their weight, they then associate with their self-worth or whatever it might be. So it's important to not just look at weight and because it can be how much water you have. Like mm. If you have a few pints of water, you put on a kilo. Mm. Oh my God, I put on a kilo. Okay, you put on a kilo, but what, where does that weight come from? Because what actually is it? Because if we know what it is, we can then have a more informed decision about what's kind of going on internally and not just going, I put on a kilo, therefore I'm terrible. I'm really bad. I've been bad. It's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Where, where is that weight come from? I think it's really important to distinguish between what the, the parts of your body are. Because as you said there, like we, we associate an emotional response to weight. Oh, weight's gone up. Oh, weight's gone down. Like it's good or it's bad. But it's like your weight going up can actually be a great thing. Yeah. Your weight going down can be a great thing, but it's context dependent. Like what is that weight? Where is that weight going? Where does that weight come from? We need to look at those, that kind of nuanced stuff, that, that deeper insight into what has actually changed to give us the answer. So mm. I think it's important to kind of look at what the three kind of main things that your body is composed of. I kind of said it there, it's bone, which comprises about 12 to 15% of your complete body weight, your total body weight. Then we have our fat-free mass or our lean mass, which is everything that isn't fat. And then we have our third fat mass. Uh, typically, people want to reduce their fat mass and they want to increase their lean mass. And there's a whole host of reasons why. And we'll kind of look at, a look at those three things, I guess, in a, in a little bit more detail. Um, so bone, as I've just said there, kind of, this is a, 
it's not going to change dramatically. There is a little bit of a relationship between how much muscle you have and how much bone you have. But for females, it's anywhere between like one to three kilograms. And for males, it's about three to four kilograms. So it's not a huge amount of your weight. Uh, so it, as I said, it comprises about 12 to 15% of your, your total body weight. We can't really change that to a dramatic amount. So we're going to kind of not talk about that too much. We're going to look more in detail at your fat mass and your lean mass. Now what with your lean what, mass. Sorry, Dinder, what's interesting about like, like bone is that you look at like an x-ray mm. of like, let's say somebody who is really overweight and somebody who is thin mm. and their bones actually are the same. Yeah. Like they ever, you know, like Eric Cartman from South Park. It's like, ah, I'm just big boned. Incorrect. It's like, it's not really a, not really a real thing, is it? Basing no. off the stats that you just said, like having, yeah, of course, people have different sized bones. I mm. think I have, my bones are quite heavy. I've got dense bones. I've got dense bones, yeah. That's what I think. Thick skull. Thick skull. Hey. <laughs> so like, but your bone, how much your bones weigh doesn't really, it's not the be all end all. It isn't no. going to change. But if you're really overweight, for example, your bones aren't going to be 10 kilos heavier because your big bone isn't really a thing. It's just your bones or your bones and it's everything that's around yeah. the bone. I mean, there is a relationship. Like the stronger you are, the more force your muscles produce, the denser your bones need to be to maintain integrity as you're producing force. But that, change in weight is negligible compared to your fat and your lean mass. So there is a relationship, but it's we're not going to look at it today. I guess it almost doesn't matter. Conversely, as you get older and your bones become more brittle, then your bone density will be less. Yes. It'll be, your bones will be less heavy. But we can offset that. We can offset that. Um, we'll talk about that in a minute. Good. So looking at your lean mass. So there's, there's two kind of real important things that we need to look at here. So Lean mass as a general is basically anything that isn't fat. So that is your muscles, but that's also your heart, your lungs, your organs, and all the water that is stored in all those different areas of your body. So it's basically anything that's not fat. The thing with lean mass is, is this can fluctuate. This can change quite dramatically. I mean, personally, myself, my body weight changes by about two to two and a half kilograms daily. Hmm. So we see big fluctuations in that. Two to two and a half kilograms daily. Mm -hmm. So okay. depending on how much water I've had, my sodium intake, uh, there's lots of different things that affect your lean mass because water levels change in your body constantly. You're always in a state of fluctuation. You're never at one set body weight, which is really important to remember. So what, what would you say to someone, and this happens by the way, and if you're listening to this, it might be you. You have someone who might go, oh my God, I've gained a pound or two pounds since yesterday. What the hell is going on? Incorrect. But you might have gained two you pounds. Might, you might have gained you two pounds, but that doesn't mean it doesn't mean that you've gained fat. fat. Yeah, not it's not fat necessarily it's just weight fluctuations that just happen. It's not necessarily a negative gain. Like if you just look at one day compared to the next day, like I said, my mine changes by two to two and a half kilograms. So I might weigh in. Let's say I weigh in on a Monday morning. Very first thing, I weigh in at the lightest weight of that day, and then let's say I weigh in on a Tuesday, and I've had three meals, I've had loads of water, I weigh at six o'clock in the evening. I'm weighing in at the heaviest my body's going to be that day. That could be quite a big difference between those two weigh-ins. It's a day apart. I haven't gained a kilogram, two kilograms overnight. My body's two kilograms heavier because I've got more stuff inside my belly. I've got more water in my system. That's it. It's not two kilograms of fat. It's just a fluctuation of my natural body weight. So it's really important to remember. The other thing to look at is our skeletal mass. Now, this is the size of our muscles. This is a really important uh, metric. This is like, are we actually building muscle? Are we making our muscles bigger, stronger, so that we can do more stuff, so that we can lift heavier weights? Now, this won't fluctuate dramatically. It takes a long time to build muscle. Now, we can train and train and train, but it takes 
months, if not years, to make a significant impact on this. But this is one of the most important metrics to look at because the greater your skeletal muscle mass is, the stronger you'll be. And the, we get a, a huge reduction in all-cause mortality. We get a reduction in things like cardiovascular disease, uh, dementia. There's loads of positive benefits to having greater muscle mass. So this is one of the key things we need to look at. But like I said, this doesn't fluctuate as much as your lean masses, but it's one of the most important things to look at. Something like build, building uh, skeletal muscles or building muscle, it ranges anywhere between like two pounds to like five pounds a year yeah. if you're training hard and consistently. Yeah. Obviously, there's outliers so that some people have a propensity to build muscle easier than others and people can sometimes take longer than that. So, so we're literally talking about, in terms of building muscle, a couple of pounds a year. Which is no. crazy. It's a long time it takes. To so when we muscle. talk about like wanting to get as build as much muscle as possible to have all the kind of health effects. Again, I have someone say this to me today. Oh yeah, but I don't want to look like a bodybuilder and get really muscular. You won't. I'm like, I'm still trying and I train really hard. <laughs> it, <laughs> so it takes it doesn't a long happen. time. It takes patience, persistence. And that's why we, we really bang on about like being consistent with your training and coming and making it more of a habit than a thing you do to get to a destination and then you stop. So... Um, but yeah, like I say it takes ages and ages and ages, and you aren't going to look like a bodybuilder overnight. That's that's God a key. Damn it. That's a key thing there. Uh, so the next the next thing that our body is comprised of is fat mass, and there are two different types of fat that we're going to talk about today. One of them being visceral fat. Visceral fat is fat that is stored in in your abdominal cavity, so around your organs, around your heart, your liver, your kidneys, like all those major organs, and this typically is the fat that causes some serious negative health implications as we age, as we get a little bit older. It causes loads of negative health connotations that we'll, we'll talk about in a little bit. The second type is subcutaneous fat, which is fat stored under the skin, basically, on your arms, on your legs, on your torso, but not around your organs. Uh, and with this subcutaneous fat, just as a general rule of thumb, women naturally have slightly higher body fat than men. Older adults naturally have slightly higher body fat. Athletes and people who train typically tend to have slightly lower body fat than those people that don't train. So that's a couple of some really important things to be aware of with that. Uh, when we look at fat mass as well, uh, a good metric to use is actually your body fat percentage because this can give you a bit more of an insight as to uh, how much fat is in your body and then subcutaneous and visceral fat make up that total number there. So subcutaneous and visceral fat, I, I think it's important to know that you, you, can, you can have low subcutaneous fat and mm. not look fat, mm. but have high visceral fat. So the visceral fat, as you said, is the one that, that kills you. That's the, the bad stuff. It's around yeah. your organs. It's the one that's going to give you a heart attack. It's the one that's going to give you fatty liver disease or anything like that. Mm. Whereas you can have someone, everyone knows someone who like just eats and drinks and doesn't take care of themselves, doesn't train, but don't have high subcutaneous fat. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not fat, so I'm, I'm healthy. It's like, no, no, no. Your internal organs are probably very fatty and you're not healthy, mm. which is, I think it's important to know. But talk about why is, what is what's so important about these two things? Like what, what is visceral fat and what does that lead to and what can it mean and what does subcutaneous fat, what does that look like? So visceral fat, obviously, is the, the bad type of fat we'll refer to it as. So high levels of visceral fat lead to a higher risk of, of loads of different health issues. So increased risk of cancer, increased risk of stroke, increased risk of heart attack, fatty liver, 
but also things like dementia. So people with higher visceral fat have a much greater risk of developing dementia later in life. And it can also lead to things like metabolic syndrome as well. The other thing it can really cause problems with is your insulin production, which dramatically increases the risk of diabetes. So those people that have lower levels of visceral fat, they have a much, much lower risk of developing diabetes. Um, and uh, there was actually a study that found that visceral, um, visceral fat like in really high levels also showed high levels of calcification in your arteries, so which, which basically means you're going to get high risk of CPD, coronary pulmonary uh, disorders. So loads of bad stuff, basically. So you don't want your visceral fat to be very high. Your subcutaneous fat isn't so much of a problem. It doesn't cause those kind of serious negative health effects. However, it's the fat that we can see. And it's the fat that we want to remove to make us look better and feel better and feel more confident. And generally, lower, lower subcutaneous fat makes us look more athletic and more toned. However, it is just an energy store. That's all it really is. When we consume too many calories, the excess energy that we've eaten, that we didn't use throughout the day, it gets stored as normally subcutaneous fat because we have much higher levels of subcutaneous fat than visceral fat. So it's just an energy store. So that's an important thing to be aware of. So if we've got if we've got high levels of subcutaneous fat, that would indicate that somebody also has high levels of visceral fat. So if you've got you're not gonna you're not gonna find someone, or it's gonna be very rare that you find someone who is has loads of subcutaneous fat, looks overweight, is overweight, but also has very low visceral fat as well. Yeah, they, they have kind of a uh, a relationship where if one rises, the other rises as well. So if you have high subcutaneous fat some of that fat is going to be stored around your organs as visceral fat. But it's not unusual to hear of someone that has high visceral fat and low subcutaneous fat. But if you generally, as a rule of thumb, if you have high subcutaneous fat, you will typically have high visceral fat as well. So you've spoke about kind of how important it is to ultimately, we want to try and keep our body composition in the best possible way. We want to mm. keep as, our visceral fat as low as we can our subcutaneous fat as low as we can so we look good, feel good, and our muscle as high as we naturally can as well. We measure this using our Evolve 360 scanner, which is absolutely amazing. It's an amazing bit of kit. We're always trying to get people to, to go on and use it. So as a member, you, you can use it. And I guess the important question, the golden question, Kyle, is like, oh, yeah, you've said like body composition is really important, but what can we do to influence our body composition? I think we need to start, as you've just said there, is understanding what our body composition is before we make a decision. And I think we'll talk about that in a minute, but like once you understand where you're at with your body composition and you know how much fat you have, how much lean mass you have, how much of that is skeletal mass, we can then make a more informed choice about what the next steps are going to be. And we can influence our body composition through a couple of ways. Firstly, we can, we can train. And training is kind of the key to improving the amount of lean mass and skeletal mass that we have. Training is a stimulus for muscle growth. We know that building muscle takes a long time, so we know that we need to do this repeatedly over a long period of time to make a significant change. But we basically want to train three, four, five times a week and try to build the muscle that we have so that we've got increased lean mass and we've got increased skeletal mass so that we have all the positive health benefits that come with that excess lean mass. Cool. So let, let's go a little bit, a little bit sciencey for those who are interested. So training, you know, as, as you said, is really important for building skeletal muscle mass because training and resistance training can help build tissue. That is a good thing. It's also going to help improve our, our fat as well. But what, what's kind of going on with that? So how, how are we building muscle? Like what, what's actually happening when we're training? 
Cool. So there's a, a kind of a few little nitty gritty ways that this happens. It's, it's called hypertrophy, the, the, the name for building muscle, and it happens in a few different ways. One of the most important ways is that when we train, the number of satellites, there's a thing in our cells called satellite cells, in our muscle cells, and they're responsible for generating new muscle fibers. Training and training hard increases the number of these satellite cells, which means that more muscle can be built. Now this happens in a couple of ways. When we've trained, muscle fibers get damaged, which are then repaired, and this increases the size of those muscle fibers. We call that hypertrophy, as I just said. We can also get an increase in the number of muscle fibers, which is called hyperplasia. And we also get changes to the muscle fiber properties. So we get an increased length of the muscle fiber, we get an increased angle of penation, which is the shape of the muscle. So all these things come together and they, they, they accumulate and they make uh, a significant change to the muscle. So we get much larger muscles, they get bigger, they get stronger over time, but it takes repeated exposure to that training stimulus for that to actually occur. It doesn't just happen after one, two or three training sessions. It takes thousands of training sessions over years and years of time to actually make that change. Consistent training. Consistent oh, training. that's the secret. Yep. It's also interesting, like as well, same as like mitochondria. So mitochondria is like in the cell and it provides, literally provides energy. Like you need mitochondria to produce energy. The more you train, so in a trained individual, somebody who trains two or three times per week, they actually have more mitochondria in their cells than somebody who doesn't train. So you literally, literally have more energy. Yep. You literally have more energy to live a normal life like training is just so i don't want to say it's underrated because it's it's not like people who train like no they feel that they feel the benefits but just coming in and doing something and just moving it doesn't have to be like lifting the heaviest weights or training 10 times a week or anything it's just about moving burning some energy stimulating the muscle doing it in the right way to help us train to improve our blood lipids to improve our visceral fat to improve our insulin resistance all the stuff that your body composition looks great and looking looking good feeling good is important but all the things that having an improved body composition and having more muscle mass the benefits of that are are so so important and often often not talked about i also think that for some people not getting worse is actually getting better so what i mean by that when we, when we get to a, a certain age it's really hard to build muscle it's really really difficult to get absolutely massive and jacked because hormones decrease, hormone production decreases, we don't have the same amount of testosterone, all that stuff. However, that doesn't mean that we're not getting those positive uh, health benefits. We're getting reduced risk of cancer. We're getting reduced risk of stroke. We're maintaining our muscle mass, which means we can still climb up and down stairs and do our shoelaces up and reduce the risk of falling over. So for some people, actually not getting worse is an improvement. And I think that's really important for some of our members to, to remember and for us to remember. If I get to, I don't know, 60, 70, and I look the same as I do now and feel the same as I do now, I'll be dead chuffed. I probably won't, but I'd be really happy if that's the case. I was saying this recently, like, so literally, if I, if I look the same as I do in 10 years' time when I'm 45 and I feel the same, like, that's a massive, massive win for me. It's not about getting more jacked and faster and stronger. It's about... How can I keep what I have built over the years to keep doing the stuff that I love to do? Like that is really, really important. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, people will be like, oh my God, I've not, my body composition hasn't changed at all over like the whole year. I'm like, that's amazing. Mm. Now that's really, yeah. really good. It's like, well done that yeah. you haven't got worse. And I think it's really like essential to, instead of always looking for what to gain, like, oh, I want to gain this. I want to improve my body composition. I want to build more muscle. I want to lose my body fat. all these different things. 
it's like, well, think about what you wouldn't have if you didn't train. I know it's a little bit of a null hypothesis. It's like, oh, I haven't put on any muscle on in a year, but it's stayed the same. It's like, but imagine if you didn't do any training at all. Like, imagine how much worse you would be. Imagine how shit you would feel. Yeah. You'd look like a potato. You wouldn't train. So, yeah, you might not be making huge progress, like, all the time. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not lifted heavier in a year. Well, I know, personally... I'm never going to lift as heavy as I have lifted before. I'm nowhere near as strong as I ever have been previously. And I know that I'm never going to lift the deadlift that I've lifted previously. I know I'm never going to hit that again. And that's okay. I don't need to aim towards that. I just need to focus on being the best person that I can with what I have, with the environment, with my job and everything that I do to just go, I'm going to keep doing what I can do and keep being as active as possible mm. and not always comparing myself to where, what I was when I was 24 because yeah. this is not going to happen. Yeah. So not just thinking about improvements, but also think about what would I lose if I didn't keep training and doing these things? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, it's, it's a really important message there. Um, so talked about training. Let's look at diet. Now, we obviously, we know that now that training takes a long time to take effect. However, diet can have quite a significant impact in a much shorter period of time, realistically, kind of thing. Yeah, well, building muscle takes years, and you can lose body fat. Well, as, oh, depends, depends how little you eat. Mm. Like if you didn't eat, let's so think about this in a really like layman's terms. Like it's approximately seven thousand seven hundred calories per kilo of body fat. So this is you know when people say, oh, I've put on four kilos over the weekend. It's like cool. So have you had like twenty thousand calories? Probably, probably not. Probably, probably not. So. If you were to eat as little as possible, you can lose like a couple of kilos a week. I mean, that's not sustainable. You couldn't keep that up, not but you that. can lose body fat really quickly, depending on how consistent and how adherent you are to a particular diet. Yeah. So that's why we generally try to say, let's lose body fat first and then look at building muscle because we don't want to, I mean, that's a whole different podcast yeah, about the best way to approach that. That's a whole different <laughs> So diet, yeah, of course, we can lose fat a lot, 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 lot faster than we can... Uh, build muscle mm. but whilst losing fat we can also maintain muscle by training yeah and that's ultimately what we want to do we don't because we know building muscle is really, really hard but we can maintain as much muscle as possible and how do we main, maintain muscle we train yeah but it yeah. doesn't it doesn't take a huge amount to maintain the muscle that you already have we learned that in lockdown didn't we yeah, we did learn uh, that in lockdown uh, however we know that fat is is just an energy store it's just the store of energy if we've eaten more energy than we needed in a day that extra energy gets stored as fat in our body so that we know that if we reduce our energy intake below what our body needs for that particular day it's going to rely on the stored energy the fat that we have and it's going to use that to make sure that we stay alive and that we don't just collapse and and die so it's 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 essentially just using that extra stored energy that we have so by creating a small calorie deficit a larger one is much harder to sustain as we've just said by creating a, a calorie deficit, we can tap into that stored energy, that fat stores in our body, and we can use that for energy. And then gradually, over time, our body fat will reduce, our body fat percentage will come down. And we, like I said, we can make a significant change in four, five, six weeks. We can lose a significant amount of body fat in a relatively short space of time if we can stick to that calorie deficit that we've created. It's also important to note like how much body fat you can lose directly aligns with how much body fat you actually have to lose yeah like so like you you like you physically couldn't lose five kilos of fat yeah in like a week diminishing you wouldn't be able to do it it? because you haven't got enough yeah the lower your body fat is the harder and harder it becomes to lose that body fat so when you get down to like for for gents under 15 percent, it becomes quite 
you have to be very strategic and you have to be very mindful about everything that you consume and how much activity you're doing throughout the day. But if your body fat's at 40%, you can lose two, three, 4% in a relatively short space of time without really trying that hard because you've got so much more to lose. Um, that's, that's quite important. As you get down to those lower numbers, it is diminishing returns and you do have to work extra hard to get as much out of it as you want. Um, and it does become more challenging. It's compounding interest. It's like, so if you, to go from 40% body fat to 35, relatively easy, like relatively easy. You just got to have a bit more willpower and just be a little bit more disciplined, but you don't have to do too much. Mm. To get from like, as a, as a female, to get from like 20 to 19, it's like, that's 1%, right? Yeah. But it's like, you've got to do everything you did between 40 and 35 and about 100,000 times harder and more. Yeah. It's so much harder. So you can't think of it as like one for one. Like I lost 5%, why can't I lose another 5%? It's like that, the next 5% is going to be 20 times harder than the first 5%. Losing 1% is as hard as losing that first 5%. And, and, and the rest. Because well, yeah. it's like, same with training. Like you've got to do more to keep the result because of metabolic adaptation. Do so more and you get less out of it. Pretty much. <laughs> how it works. So like you, you'll only lose so much. So like if your, your calories that you intake is relative to your absolute your mass, how much you how much you weigh, and that's where your weight is important because we can calculate calories off the back of that. Let's just say two thousand calories is um, an, an amount of calories that you need to lose weight. You get to that weight when it's calculated. So let's say you get to I'm making numbers up now. I get to eighty kilos. Now those two thousand calories are now your maintenance calories. So what once initially made you lose body fat at 2,000 calories, those 2,000 calories are now maintaining you at your new mass. So now it's like, okay, now I need to eat a lot less to get that 70, that 80 kilos down to 75 kilos, yeah. a lot less. Yeah. So you've always got to adjust your calories in accordance to your mass. And this is where your body, com your body mass, body composition, your muscle comes into play. Mm. Because the more muscle you have, muscle is, is contra need, need contraction. You can't contract fat. But mu muscle is metabolically active tissue. The more muscle you have, the more energy you'll burn just walking, breathing, living. So the more muscle we have, the more calories we're going to burn, the more calories we can eat, right? This is why you're always eating. This is why I'm always eating, yeah. My, my, yeah, my maintenance is quite high because I have quite a lot of lean mass, which means I'm able to eat more. However, like, what, what about the kind of the opposite situation? What if you wanted to gain muscle? What, what's the situation there? So when we're looking to gain muscle, we need to eat in a calorie surplus, which means we need to eat more than our body is expending throughout the day. So walking around, living, breathing, training, walking, running, whatever. We need to eat more than that so that we have that extra energy available to build new tissue. Now, unfortunately, what happens here is we, we generally gain a little bit of fat at the same time. So in order for us to get better and build muscle, we also have to gain some fat along with that. And that can be quite a difficult process for some people. And for me, it's, it's quite a challenging process to actually think about when I go into a surplus because I know I'm going to look worse, but at the end of it, look better. So it's one of those things where you really have to commit to a calorie surplus in order to gain, let's say, five kilograms. Maybe two of that is muscle, just numbers off the top of my head, and three of that is fat in order to then come back to where I started or to get back to the same body fat percentage. I then have to lose that extra fat. So it's a whole process of, gaining weight, maintaining, and then losing the extra fat that you've gained to get back to the body fat percentage that you started at. And it can be quite a long process. And it's almost the complete opposite of losing weight and being in a calorie deficit, but it's, it's just as challenging. It's just as difficult to do. 
think that's a good place to kind of round up. I think we've discussed quite a lot of really kind of important points about body composition. Just to kind of like round up, like body composition is like so much more than just how you look. It's like a massive indicator for your well-being and your health and keeping doing things for as long as you physically can. We talked about all the different ailments that having a, a poor body composition, so having high physical fat, high subcutaneous fat, and low muscle tissue. Ultimately, we want to be training as much as we possibly can and not eating and consuming too much food to then directly influence our body fat percentage. And as you said, like fat is a storage of energy mm. and we shouldn't be demonizing fat being bad. We know that protein building blocks of muscle, fat is essential for the hormonal process, carbs are needed for energy. But if we're having too much energy, then our fat stores are going to show, they're going to increase. And of course, it's difficult because some people store fat easier than others down to their genetic predisposition. Mm -hmm. As we know, and I say this all the time, life isn't fair. No, life's like, not Like if you're generally like an Indian descent, it's much harder for you to build muscle. Mm. It, it just is. That's why you don't see many Indian powerlifters. Mm. You just don't. If you are from Afro-Caribbean descent, you generally are flat feet, but also have a, a much higher propensity to build lean tissue. Mm -hmm. They build muscle very, very fast and have low body fat. That's why most of people with Afro-Caribbean descent become sprinters because they're incredibly powerful. Basketballers, like most of them do that because it's like, by them, that sounds not racist, but like that, that kind of category of person generally have different genetic predispositions that allow them to excel in certain things and that, that's just kind of that's just how it is that's yeah. just unfortunately it is you look at look at like fijians generally like they're all over six foot they have high body high body fat and yeah. they're just massive people yeah. it's generally massive people genetic predisposition does play a huge role in what your body composition is but we can influence it through training through our diet uh, but i think something really important to remember is don't associate your self-worth with your weight if you don't know what your body composition is, get to know. Like if you're a member at ETC, come and use the Evolt scanner because it's a tool, it's there for us to actually take a, a much more objective lens of what our body is made up of. And then we can make more informed choices based on those results. If we have high body fat percentage, we know the direction to push you in is to lower that body fat percentage. If we already have low body fat percentage, but also low lean mass, then we know we can push you in the direction of consuming more protein, training harder, eating a few more calories and trying to build some muscle to improve on those body composition markers. So don't associate your self-worth to how much you weigh. Use more informed metrics to actually make more informed decisions. Come and get a scan and use that scan to direct your training and actually help you improve and get better. And it sounds really like horrible, but really we don't really want you to change too much. Like if you're at a good body composition, you're 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 at a good body fat percentage, like you're in fairly good shape, it's like cool, how can we keep this for as long as possible? Yeah. Like that's it. Yeah. Maintenance is the goal. The aim of the game is to keep playing. If you want to keep doing what you're doing, you need to keep doing what you're doing. Like that's it. You have Absolutely. to keep doing it, keep planning away. Hope this has been useful, guys. If you have any questions on body composition, please feel free to reach out to us if there's any questions that you would like to know. Uh, we're here to help you and explain it to you in nice, simplistic terms. And obviously, you can come and speak to Carl. He's dead smart. And we can talk to you all about body composition. But yeah, be as objective as possible. Use it as a tool to make an informed decision. And uh, yeah, hopefully you can get jacked and tanned. If you haven't done a scan, come and get one done. Go and get a scan. Go and get a scan. Go and get a scan. Have a lovely weekend. Bye. Bye. Bam, bam, bam.